Welcome, boils and ghouls, creeps and freaks. Psychotronic and stereophonic, this is Midnight Showing. I'm your horrific host, your pulpit of pulp, your personal video store clerk, Inky. Today we'll be discussing the roots behind the most famous and misunderstood subgenre in American cinema, the slasher. Throughout the years, the American slasher has become an institution. The boogeyman of classic franchises and films, like Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, and Jason Voorhees, have graced the silver screen for decades, and have become part of the cultural zeitgeist. But there's quite the backstory to how the trope of masked men chasing teenagers with sharp implements became so popular throughout the 1980s. You see, the roots of the modern slasher can be traced as far back in cinema to 1959, with the birth of a German crime thriller subgenre called Creamy. A studio named Rialto Film produced a series of films adapted from the novels of writer Edgar Wallace, who wrote mainly crime thriller novels. The first film shot and produced based off of his novels is called The Fellowship of the Frog, which is directed by, and forgive me, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, Harald O'Neill. The early wave of creamy film featured masked antagonists who commits murders for a multitude of reasons, such as revenge, blackmail, or financial profit. These movies were more mystery than outright horror, and had elements of police procedurals used throughout the film. Unlike slasher films, the villain's identity is usually kept a complete secret until the end, and the films themselves frequently use red herrings and impossible steps for the crimes. The sets used depicted the shadowy, dark, and desolate streets of London at night, thick with fog and drought with gothic atmosphere. The stories take place in crumbling castles, decrepit mansions, or country homes of secret passageways. Creamy is useful in understanding the trend of the giallo, which is essentially the Italian variant. As Creamy leapt to the mid-60s, it became infused of color and got increasingly pulpier, with the movie ending around 1972. The term giallo is Italian for the color yellow, in reference to the cheap paper that pulpy, violent murder mysteries and crime thrillers were being printed on in Italy at the time. Agatha Christie novels were a huge influence on the genre as well. In addition, plenty of the popular pulp novels were later adapted to actual films. The first movie to efficiently start the giallo movement was in 1963, with Mario Baba's The Girl Who Knew Too Much. Giallo is different from creamy, and is the sense that the focus is put more on the individual protagonist to solve the murder, rather than the police. Typically, the protagonist witnesses a murder or a crime, and must piece together the clues in order to save themselves or someone else. It's not uncommon for a police force to be working in tandem with the protagonist, but as I stated, the importance is more based upon the lead. And though the movement started in 1963, Baba again revolutionized a subgenre he created with Blood and Black Lace. Released only a year after the first Giallo, Blood and Black Lace set the absolute template for the movement. It was soaked in gorgeous color, featured fantastic Italian fashion, an awesome soundtrack, and gruesome, bloody murders centered around a beautiful woman. It also set the precedent for what a Giallo killer would look like. A looming figure, drenched in a trench coat, a fedora, and black leather gloves. The murder weapon featured was a metal claw, but the de facto would soon become a straight razor. As Giallo progressed throughout the 60s and 70s, it became more and more violent, lurid, and sexual, but remained beautiful and artistic in its cinematography, shot composition, lighting, and music, which relied heavily on funk and disco. The genre lasted mainly up until 1978, where the demand for such movies and its popularity began to wane. The first true American slasher would most likely be John Carpenter's Halloween which was released in 1978 and subsequently started the slasher craze of the 80s. Halloween cemented the slasher tropes before it was recognized as such, and sort of invented the genre by doing so. The main elements to a basic slasher are that a mass killer is stalking a group of people, usually teenagers, and that the killer has a sort of invincibility or is stronger than a normal person. Drinking, doing drugs, or having sex is equivalent to death, and that formula has been used ever since. Such tropes have been popularized, parodied, and subverted in popular media since then, with Wes Craven's Scream in the late 90s acting as the first meta-horror, if you will. Still, it would be a miss to overlook other important players leading up to Carpenter's masterpiece. Black Christmas, for example, was released in 1974 in Canada, and featured the same basic idea and material for what Carpenter would create, but stylized in a different manner, 
Psycho, you could even argue, was another important player in the proto-slasher canon, as it does play into slasher tropes that we later define in the 80s. So much so that it did get a true slasher sequel in that decade. John Carpenter, though perhaps not directly influenced by the preceding genres of Creamy or Giallo, further the ideas laid down in both, and at the same time simplified the elements. Instead of having a motive or multiple motives to kill, from money to blackmail or otherwise, Carpenter decided to use his villain as a blank slate, the face of pure, unrelenting evil. The police procedural element in Mystery is largely stripped away in favor of something a lot more terrifying, killing without a motive. Brutality for its own sake. Instead of grandiose, lush score or something funky and groovy, Carpenter opted for a minimalist, tense synth score. The colorful lighting was replaced with blue tungsten lights, cold and soft. And the protagonist, a babysitter, with no form of police protection and no clues to solve. Halloween eschews the traditional crime thriller narrative in order to deliver on pure suspense and tension. Halloween's antagonist is a literal boogeyman, and the protagonist has to find a way to fend for herself against a force of nature type evil. Conversely, the protagonist undergoes the change from being unwillingly caught in a crime as an traditional giallo to becoming a hero, or as a slash tradition has named them Final Girls. The protagonist can actually fight back. They no longer have to wait for the police or to solve the mystery. They have the ability to take matters into their own hands, which is another part of why slashers were so revolutionary to horror as a whole. In Creamy or Giallo, women, even as the main character, were mostly relegated to damsels in distress. But in slasher cinema, they have the option to self-actualize in defeating evil. Creamy as a whole is quite niche in terms of cinema. In contrast, the impact of Giallo is still felt today, and the influence has been shown throughout the slasher to help to inspire. Friday 13th, a film series notorious for copying ideas of other films, features a lot of Baba kills, from his later Giallo especially, particularly the first few movies. James Wan's latest film, Malignant, is akin to a Neo Giallo taking the elements of the past and revitalizing them and recontextualizing them in modern day. And finally, it wouldn't be fair of me to talk about these movements without listing some key players. For Creamy, the two key directors were the aforementioned Harold Runeil, as well as Alfred Wohler, and I probably did murder those two names horribly. Nonetheless, both were part of the Rialto Film Studio, and because I have little knowledge of the subgenre, I suggest going through the 32 Edgar Wallace-based Rialto films for yourself. For Giallo, Mario Bava, Dario Argento, and Sergio Martino, are considered the best and most prolific of the Italian auteurs. Opera, Tenebrae, Deep Red, and The Bird with Crystal Plumage are my personal favorites from Argento. For Bava, I recommend Bay of Blood and Blood and Black Lace. And for Martino, Your Vice is Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, All the Colors of the Dark and Torso. Quite a mouthful, I know, but it's worth it. Lucio Fulci, though mainly known from his Gates of Hell trilogy, also has a little bit of Gialli under his belt. Don't Torture Duckling in the New York Ripper I'd recommend as supplementary viewings. For slashers, Halloween, Child's Play, the big three slasher franchises I mentioned at the top of the show, Sleepaway Camp, The Burning, Scream, Black Christmas, Candyman, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, The Fun House, 1981, and Child's Play 2 are all fantastic and deserve a watch. And for those of you with more esoteric tastes, I'll throw in a few deep cuts. Tourist Trap, Alice Sweet Alice, Madhouse, 1974, Intruder, Blood Rage, Pieces, Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, Maniac, Jacko, and Popcorn. Well, that's all we have for today. Tune in at the next Witching Hour under a full moon, where I discuss the shot on video and direct-to-DVD wave. Be kind, rewind, and stay spooky. Peace.